Welcome to a single serving podcast. I'm your host, Shaney Silver, and I want to change the narrative around being single because so far it's had pretty bad PR. What if we stopped seeing single life as wrong and stopped trying so hard to fix it by finding partnership at any cost? Relationships are amazing and we deserve to have them. We just don't deserve to be miserable in the meantime. If you're ready to stop hating single life and to recognize that loving single life doesn't mean you'll be single forever, keep listening. This podcast publishes new episodes every Monday. You can find one episode per month on all your favorite free access platforms. All other weekly episodes are accessible by becoming a patron of this podcast on Patreon. You'll find the link in the show notes for this episode. By becoming a patron, you'll also get access to the Facebook group for this podcast, a supportive community space for celebrating single life, not just for dealing with it. There's so much joy, freedom, and potential in being single. My fear is that if we only ever see our singlehood as something that's wrong with us, something that has to be fixed as soon as possible by finding a partner, we'll miss out on a really important time in our lives, and we might even settle for less than what we really want. If you're sick of the shame of being single and sick of feeling helpless and unable to feel better, this is your podcast, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to a single serving podcast. As we begin our episode today, I would like us all to bid a fond, fond farewell to the sounds of the construction site across the street from my Brooklyn apartment. Yes, that's right. This is the last podcast introduction that will ever be recorded in Brooklyn, New York. I am moving one week from today. I'm so happy. Let's all hope for a little bit more silence in my New Orleans residence. Hi, everybody. How are you? I'm great. And by great, I mean frazzled and anxious and so ready for this move to be over. I am recording this in a completely packed up apartment. Um, the only thing that has not gone in a box yet is my podcast microphone. It's really, we're down to brass tacks here. Really ready for this to happen. Um, my movers are coming in two days and everything feels up in the air and anxious. And you, you know how that goes. I don't have to tell you what moving is like. You've moved. You get it. You totally get it. Anyway, I have a great episode for you today. Before I get into the details of that, um, I wanted to say a huge thank you to all of the Patreon patrons who are making this podcast possible. If you would like to become one of them, you can do that. There is a link in the show notes for this episode where you can join the Patreon for this podcast. And why should you join it? Because I make this podcast once a week. You may have noticed that it only publishes once a month on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher and other free access platforms, but I still make it every single week and I publish it over on Patreon. And if you would like more support and help in reframing singlehood for yourself uh, to be something that feels good instead of something that feels wrong, lacking, or shameful, there's plenty of it for you. I publish one episode a week and the Patreon membership also comes with admission to the Facebook group for this podcast, which is one of my favorite parts of the internet. And um, it's just a great time. It's a great community. It's such a positive space. And I feel really lucky to be able to create this content for people who are so loving and kind and interactive with each other and supportive of each other. Um, it's just become a really beautiful, a really beautiful thing. So a huge thank you to all my Patreon patrons. And I will ask everyone listening right now to consider becoming a patron if you have not already. 
what can you look forward to over on Patreon? So um, there are episodes of this podcast going back from October 2019 to present. So there's a lot that you immediately have access to as soon as you join the Patreon. Um, But specifically over the last month, since the last time I published an episode publicly, which was the corporate takeover of dating with Nancy Jo Sales. It's fantastic. If you haven't listened to it yet, she's incredible. Read her book. Her book is called Nothing Personal. It's fantastic. It's actually the only book that I did not pack in a box. That one is coming on the airplane with me. It's so good. Um, So that ran at the end of May. And then on Patreon, the uh, first episode in June was uh, featuring a woman named Kat Harris. And I interviewed Kat because a very frequent request from podcast listeners uh, was that I discuss singlehood from the Christian perspective. And I booked Kat to have that conversation with me. It was a delight. I had so much fun talking to her. I hope to talk to her again in the future. Her episode is called Jesus Was Single, and it's great, and you should listen to it. After that, uh, there was a solo episode, which is just me, and I was addressing several emails and questions that came in from Patreon patrons, the biggest one of which dealt with um, what I call the filter of fabulosity, and that's the title of that episode. It's that feeling you get when, if you're not living this outwardly fabulous you know, constant social plans and travel booked and all of that. If you're not living this outwardly fabulous looking single life, you can be seen through a level of a level through a lens of like sadness or pity or, um, you know, just kind of not, not seen as really as cool as other people, I guess it's the, it's the notion that you have to portray a version of singlehood that looks good to other people. And you don't, that's bullshit. You don't have to do that. And the episode called filter of fabulosity will walk you through why. And then uh, the most recent episode over on Patreon features a woman named Jennifer Michelle Mason, but you know her better as single lady notes on Instagram. Her episode is titled empathy and actual answers. I had an absolute blast talking to her I find her content to be extremely useful and practical in real life. And I have so much respect for content creators, specifically content creators creating things for single women that are positive when we can actually give each other real things, like real answers, real um, advice, real practical things to put in place, to do, to try, to change, to just something that is not just theory. It's not just theory. It's not just a journal prompt. It's how do I feel better? How do I look at this differently? How do I approach the situation differently? What do I do in this scenario? What do I say in this scenario? And Single Lady Notes offers a lot of that. And I hope that you look into her work and I hope that you check out her episode over on Patreon. Another thing that happened in the last month I was on a really cool panel that was hosted by Jody Day of Gateway Women. I was joined by Sevilla Morgan, and the panel was being held in support of Donna Ward's new book, She I Dare Not Name. Who, uh, some of you may have already read it, especially if you live in Australia, because the book came out in Australia before it came out in the US in June. So um, the four of us had an amazing discussion. I will actually link to the video of that panel in the show notes for this episode if you want to check it out. Um, this is a really cool just hour of time for anybody who has experienced shame around singlehood, specifically as that affects parenthood, motherhood, childlessness, um, whether you're child-free by choice or not by choice. It was a great, a great discussion. And I really enjoyed speaking with these, these wonderful women. And I hope you check it out. Um, Also check out Donna Ward's new book. It's really good. Um, And I will link to that in the show notes as well. 
I never want you guys to have to Google anything. Essentially. I would like to link you to everything I talk about. So my guest today, this is a really special situation and I've thought about how to describe it to you and how to present uh, what I'm about to share with you because it's, I've never done this before. And I, it's not something that I, you know, wanted to have as like a core part of this podcast because I'm, it's just not fair. How do I say this? It's just not fair for me to do this all the time. But my guest today is a podcast listener. Her name is Christine Poe. And I get wonderful emails from all of you all the time. And I love hearing from you. It makes my day and it just reiterates to me that I'm doing something good. And there's nothing I love more than that. I love hearing from you. I love hearing that the work I'm doing is actually helping. And Christine sent me an email and there were so many recurring themes in her email that I see from so many of you. And her perspective is, I think, one that is vital to communicate to this audience. Her perspective is also very, very different from mine. And um, you need to hear from her, essentially. You need to hear from Christine. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to completely rehash the episode here. But I read her email and I knew that I wanted to talk to her because I knew that so many of you would want to talk to her too. So I hope that you enjoy that episode and I will get into that in just a minute. But before I do, um, I want to talk about something that recently came up in the patrons only Facebook group for this podcast, uh, which you can join if you become a patron. And um, so obviously like we have awesome discussions in that group all the time. I love it. I love spending time there. It's my favorite place to be. Uh, But sometimes things come up that are so relatable and real and recurring. Again, like these things happen all the time. And if they happen all the time, if they happen to so many of us, we have to talk about them more so that we feel less alone, so that we feel like we're not the only people that this shit is happening to. And then also so that we can do something productive. Like it's not just about bitching. It's not just about venting. And I'm not saying that this person was bitching or venting, by the way, they were just bringing up a really valid topic. Um, But we have to do more than just identify the problem and say that it's happening. We have to do constructive, productive things to feel better because we deserve to feel better. And the world doesn't tell single women that we deserve to feel better very often, but I will tell you that because it's true. So um, I want to briefly read what this person posted in the Facebook group, and then I want to tell you uh, what I think about it. Okay. So this Facebook post reads, One thing I'm finding hard, particularly this week as things start opening and I'm socializing more, is the undeniable projection of others and their expectations of me and what I stand for as a single late 30s woman. The first question is always, so how's the dating going? How about I'm just not dating right now because online dating no longer qualifies for me. Thank you, Shaney, for the encouragement, by the way. You're very welcome. And who the fuck decided that just because I have decided to no longer pursue online dating that I will not meet anyone? Go fuck yourselves. It makes my blood boil. That aside, and back to the former, the projection of pity from others has been particularly difficult to weather this week. Poke at something until it bleeds, you know? Yes, I do know. I know very intimately what this feels like. And um, I have a four-part answer to this question. Um, those of you who have been listening to the podcast a while, you will know that I'm not particularly short-winded. If you're new to the podcast, hello and welcome. I talk a lot. This is my podcast. Um, so I want to get into this because there are a few different layers to what this listener is talking about, and they're all really important to take a look at and reframe. So the first thing I want to say, you never have to answer, how's dating going? Ever. 
You never have to provide someone with an answer. You never have to satisfy anyone with an answer. The presence of a question does not require your compliance with an answer. Refusing to answer this question doesn't make you combative. It makes them rude for asking in the first place. The expectation of satisfaction is one imposed upon singles, but shielded from couples. It's rude to ask someone how their marriage is going, but it's not rude to ask a single person how dating is going. They're the same fucking question and you don't have to answer it. I hate the expression, what happens behind closed doors, because we have so much reverence for what happens behind the closed doors of couples. We would never intrude behind closed doors. Single people have doors that close too. Okay. What I would do in a situation like this, if I felt comfortable and safe, is I would ask them why they're asking. I'd really like to know what motivates this question, because I think if they really ask themselves why they're asking, their motives fall apart. Because how does my single life need to satisfy you as someone asking an invasive question? If they come back with the the classic, I just want you to be happy, that old chestnut, call them out on this lie. Because they don't just want us to be happy, or they'd see our ability to be happy single, and they would consider that valid. What they really want, in my opinion, is for us to be happy with someone else. And I think it's time we start making people ask themselves why that is so important to them. If you love me, you love me alone. If you're happy for me, you're happy for me alone. If you want the best for me, you want the best regardless of my relationship status. If my happiness is only valid to you when I'm in a relationship, then this friendship is what's making me unhappy, not my singlehood. Don't answer this question if you don't want to. And if they demand to be satisfied with your answer, either get up and leave or send them this episode of my podcast. My second point, deciding to not actively, relentlessly pursue dating does not mean that you'll never meet someone. We have got to divorce, obvious joke, the idea that dating is the only socially accepted way that you find relationships, because it's not. Think of all the couples you know now, family, friends, famous people, whoever. How many of them actually met because someone was dedicated to dating and finding someone? Or did everybody actually meet in a million different ways? Nobody gets to decide what your problem is. And I have problems in air quotes here. Nobody gets to decide what your problem is. People love to look at a woman who has stopped punishing herself with dating apps and decide that that's why she's going to be single forever. They think they get to decide that that's why she's going to be single forever. They think that's up to them. They think they're entitled to make that decision about her. Do you understand how fucked up that is? Single women who are practicing self-care by not subjecting themselves to the hells of online dating are viewed by society as causing their own singlehood by not enduring more hell. Let me make this really plain. I 100% believe in love and I 100% believe in relationships. I do not believe that living through hell is required advanced payment for either. Remember, if people really knew 
what dating was like, particularly what dating was like over 30 and how low it can really bring us emotionally and mentally, they would not ask us to endure more of it. Their perspective is very limited, but you never have to justify your decisions by reliving and recounting all of your micro traumas from dating just to prove that it's okay that you left. They need to just accept your answer. You deserve to protect yourself. They don't deserve to be satisfied that dating sucks so much that single women are allowed to leave it. You don't need anyone's permission to protect yourself. I'll say that again. You don't need anyone's permission to protect yourself. My third point, the projection of pity. So this is a real valid feeling and I want to acknowledge it um, because whenever somebody makes you feel pitied, they like to backtrack immediately and say, oh, no, 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 I, I, I don't feel pity for you. I'm not pitying you. If you feel pity, they were pitying you. You're valid. Your feelings are valid. And we don't deserve to be pitied for any number of reasons, but mainly because being single isn't something that's bad. I love my single life. I love my freedom. I love that I can do whatever I want. And I love that the idea of my future doesn't bore me. Yeah, I said it. I never fight with anyone. I don't spend my entire existence compromising to the point of exhaustion. And I still have meeting my next love to look forward to. And if someone wants to pity that, that's on them. That is on them. Further, Why is it culturally acceptable to pity single people, but not people in couples? Like, I can't tell you how many times I have pitied couples, usually while I'm at Ikea, but um, I really don't know what couples are pitying about single people, honestly. I've never understood why both singlehood and couplehood can't be seen for their pros and cons in equal measure. I really don't believe that one is better than the other. I believe that singlehood and couplehood are equal. I believe they both have equal pros and equal cons. There's a reason why I do this work. It's because I know it's possible to view singlehood and couplehood on par with each other. I know that that's possible. It's how I live every day. By the way, it's hilarious that the last time I record an intro, they're taking out the fucking recycling. Anyway, if you know, you know. Um, So my fourth and final point in response to this Facebook post Dating is not your responsibility. Meeting someone is not your responsibility. You are not unfinished until you find a partner. I know the world approaches single women like we're unfinished, like we're not real yet, or like we're at some kind of a life deficit simply because we're single. People always view us as dating is our responsibility. If you're single, oh, well then you you should be dating, right? Yeah. So you're single. You should be dating. That's your job because you're not finished yet. So date. That's your job. You're single. It's not true. I've always had an inner conflict with how the world can see a whole human person as incomplete unless they've mentally and or legally attached themselves to another person. That's insane to me. It is insane to me that we invalidate single women because they're not with someone else. Just because the world has no business giving you pity energy or responsibility energy in trying to make you feel like dating is required of you, that doesn't mean they're not going to keep doing it anyway. 
We can't fix what society will say and think about single women, though believe me, I'm trying. We can, however, change the way we think about their words, their comments, and their pitying glances. We can choose to stop thinking that that makes us wrong. We can choose instead to think a few different things. We can think that their view of singlehood and dating is pretty antiquated, either because they've been in a relationship so long or they've never bothered to catch up with the fucking times. We can think that instead. We can also think that their pity says way more about their own fears of being single than it could ever say about your reality of being single. Because they're not living your reality, they're living theirs. So actually, I pity them for living in fear of singlehood. It's really sad to fear something that's awesome. How unfortunate for them. I really wish they could come around to our way of thinking because I just want them to be happy. Number three, uh, their views are illogical. Dating is not a ticket to partnership. Anyone who is currently dating, particularly in our 30s and 40s, can tell you that. Yes, dating works for some people, but it does not work for all people, not by a long shot. And I care way more about the people dating doesn't work for than the people it does work for, because no one else ever seems to. The last thing I'll say about this is that the constant pairing of dating and singlehood together has to die. I want to make this very clear. Being single doesn't suck. Dating does. And dating has been letting singlehood take the blame for its bullshit for long enough. Dating and being single are two very separate things. They do not go together by default. And since most of the couples that I know and know of didn't meet because they were hunting each other down on dating apps, I know that dating is not a prerequisite for partnership. As an aside, the happiest couple I know who met on a dating app only met because she opened that app to delete it and move back to Poland where her family is. She did that because she was so over it. She was so exhausted. She was so done. She was literally opening it up to delete her account and move back to Poland. By the way, they're married. They had a baby a month ago. Just want to point that out. There is proof that dating is not your responsibility everywhere. Every time a couple meets in literally any other way other than swiping their adulthood away, we have proof that dating is not your responsibility. What has far less proof are societal expectations that single people should be dating, 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 so that they can find someone because we're not finished maturing into adulthood until we do. That's bullshit. It's simply not true and it's not proven. Dating is not your responsibility. You are allowed and able to meet someone anyway. And until you do, your singlehood is allowed to feel good. Do not let outdated, illogical, insulting, invasive questions and expectations dictate how you feel about your own singlehood. They don't get to decide how we think and feel about being single. We do. 
And with that, I'm going to play today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, thank you to this person who posted a really, really important topic in the Facebook group. Um, and thank you to, to everybody who interacts with this community and who contributes their experiences and their thoughts and their questions. Um, it's all valid and it's all real and it's all happening. And I see so much value in discussing that it's happening looking into maybe why it's happening and reframing it for ourselves because that's how we feel better about being single. And it's so, so important to me that we feel better because we deserve to. We are valid, whole human beings right now. We are not unfinished. And us recognizing that and feeling better means so much to me. So thank you so much for listening. And I hope you enjoy my chat with Christine Poe. Christine, you don't know this, but your Southern accent is awakening mine like a you know creature from the deep that is starting to <laughs> climb back out my throat and that into a so microphone funny. thank you for that um, oh you're so welcome everybody i have to welcome christine poe to the podcast she is a rarity on this program she is a podcast listener she emailed me a very very uh impactful email a few weeks ago and after i read it i i read it as though I was all of you reading it. And I realized that there were so many of you that I wish I could send it to, um, but I didn't because, you know, privacy. So um, Christine, thank you for joining me. I want us to have this conversation because I think what you have to say is so relevant and important and potentially very uh, community building, because I think a lot of what we're going to talk about is stuff that people who are listening to this podcast are dealing with every single day. And um, a lot of this is well outside of my realm of perspective. So I think it's important for us to have the conversation we're about to have. But first of all, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to say thank you for joining me. And would you please introduce yourself to uh, this audience? Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. So I'm Christine Poe. Um, I'm based out of Atlanta, Georgia. I'm originally from rural South Carolina. Um, so I'm a dermatology physician assistant. During the day, um, I see my own patients. And while I'm not treating acne, cutting out six um, cysts or injecting Botox, um, I stay at home with my sister. I've got two cats. I enjoy concerts and travel pre and post COVID. And I also love collecting houseplants. So here I am. The one thing about me, the reason why I am on your podcast, podcast today is because while I've gone on a string of successful dates throughout my adulthood, I've never been in a serious relationship before. And so many people listening are in the exact same boat as you. Um, I know that you've heard the episode that I recorded with Laura Banky, which is yes. a uh, patrons yes. only episode that you guys can mm -hmm. listen to if you would like mm -hmm. to sign up for my Patreon. Um, and the amount of response that I got to that episode was so huge. It's, I mean, there's just there's so much for us to get into. We will. And then yes. when we're done, I'm going to ask you for more skincare advice than what I was yes, asking you. Yes, please do. <laughs> I love my job. Oh yes, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I turned 39 in 26 days mm -hmm. and things are good. Mm -hmm. but they're mm -hmm. just different. And they are. I don't like it. <laughs> it's okay. I've got you. I've okay. Got you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate <laughs> yes, it. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I will start with a very selfish question. Mm -hmm. Why did you start listening to my podcast? 
So I I can't remember exactly how I found it. I know it was on Reddit, um, and I can't remember which subreddit I was on, and I wish I could remember. But I think I was going um, through it. How long have you had this podcast for? Over two years. It was April two years. 2019 that I launched. It. Okay, 2019. So I was in that space where I was just like, okay, I was 28 at the time, 29, yeah, 28, and I was unsure of how I'm supposed to feel as a 28 year old person who's never been in a relationship before. Um, so I was scrolling through Reddit, of course, and somehow came across your podcast. And I'm like, this sounds like my girl, like this is exactly who I need to listen to. And that's how this began. So, well, I'm delighted to hear all of the above. Yes. Um, <laughs> so let's see. How do I want to? And I know Reddit can be like a really weird place for some people, but I promise you, yours was in a very positive way of <laughs> positive way of uh, representation. So that's how I'm like, I have to listen. So I'm terrified of Reddit. There yes. was a time a few months ago that my website was getting a shitload of traffic from Reddit, and I'm like, oh, uh-huh. let's check out this Reddit thing. And I was like, oh god, like it was just right. so much. And there's I, a lot. Oh my god, it was there's it was lot. intense. But I I like that there are so many different discussions that are Mm -hmm, happening mm -hmm. obviously I lean toward the more productive positive ones um but I like Mm -hmm. that it's a place for people to talk and connect I mean we're all how do I want to say this it's hard to be lonely in the age of the internet I think exactly because Mm -hmm, there's so mm -hmm. many people that are it's so funny because there there are definitely downsides to reddit but I find that at least the way that I use it is more of like a learning experience connecting with my community and kind of like educational in a way so I think that's how I found out about yours is through some kind of like ask women advice pod or subreddit or something so it was definitely spoken about in a very nice way so fabulous I love free advertising yes exactly fantastic (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so in your email you mentioned Mm -hmm. that your background had a great deal of impact on how you view relationships and singlehood. Right. With that mm-hmm. in mind, can you give us a bit of information on that background, where you grew up, etc.? Yes. So I am originally from the Philippines. So my mom and dad are both Filipino and I moved to the United States, um, more specifically rural South Carolina when I was very, very young. Um, My father is actually a physician and he transferred over to rural South Carolina because they needed doctors to work in rural areas where there was like nobody around. And my mother, she was actually a practicing dermatologist in the Philippines. And so yeah, medicine runs in my blood unintentionally. (laughs) So she, um, whenever we moved to the United States, she quit her job to take care of my sister and I, and then also be a caregiver to my grandmother. So being in rural South Carolina, I was really kind of unaware of how different I was until I got older and people started to say certain things about my race. I obviously am Asian. I identify as Asian, more specifically Filipino. And um, that kind of, you know, put me in the low self-confidence, low self-esteem about who I was as a person. And of course, another topic that we'll talk about is how, how much that they valued education and academic success and potential career success. So there was never going to be time for boys or relationships or anything like that. So being in the rural South where no one looked like me um, and had the same cultural background as me, while also having kind of like that nagging feeling that my parents were like, don't fuck up your life. I'm not a tiger parent, but at the same time, you know, make sure that you're doing your best and don't stress yourself out type of thing. So that's kind of a little bit of my, in a nutshell, a little bit of my background. You know what makes me so crazy is obviously we live in in a society and in a culture that mm-hmm. has a terrible habit of making people feel like the other. 
It happens all the time. I have Mm -hmm. a little bit of understanding of this growing up as a Jewish girl in Fort Worth, Texas in a, you Mm -hmm. know, entirely Southern Baptist school. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Yes. What kills me, though, is that when you're othered, Mm -hmm. always a presumed negative, it's never like there's never this specialness to it. No, there's always negativity to it. Mm -hmm. And that makes me crazy. Yes. And what the sad part was, I unfortunately learned again at a young age that I, that I was different and I wanted to be belonging as much as possible. Definitely don't discount the fact that I have blonde hair. I wanted to, <laughs> wanted to try to be platinum blonde. That's something completely related, but I so desperately wanted to be white when I was younger. And, um, I, was so ashamed of that looking back now. And I, I know I didn't know any better, but I wanted to completely break away from my Filipino roots. And so now that I'm here, I'm a grown woman. I'm here in Atlanta in a large city. I'm trying more and more to connect with um, Asian culture and learn my language more. So I've always kind of been in the balance of not being American enough and also not being Asian enough well. And I think those two conflicting opposing forces has caused me to have some kind of identity crisis. And growing up, that's where the, the reason why I haven't been able to kind of find myself truly and be confident enough to be in a relationship. So I have very little knowledge of Atlanta, but what I do know, what I've seen in like travel shows like that, is it actually a very multicultural place? Is that mm-hmm. correct? So yeah, there's um, different neighborhoods in Atlanta. Um, I know that um, there's, I think it's like North North Atlanta, there's definitely more of a Korean and Vietnamese population. There's now more and more Filipinos um, gathering together, which is great. And that's how I found out about all my resources, making a lot of Filipino friends, but definitely more diverse than what your typical, like, you know, you think of a Southern town um, would be. So I'm very, very grateful for that. I definitely wanted to stay in the South when I chose to move away from my rural, <laughs> my rural hometown. And I wanted to be, um, definitely don't want to deal with snow, anything like that. But Atlanta seemed to be the good, happy medium of a large city, lots of diversity, but still being close to home. I once heard somebody uh, describe their decision to move away from a cold climate and into a very warm one as um, you don't have to shovel sunshine. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I don't know what <laughs> shoveling is. <laughs> like, what's a shovel? <laughs> you don't want to know. know trust me. Yeah. Like um, so you mentioned that you were raised in a, in a household where studies came first. Mm-hmm. So was I. Mm-hmm. In adulthood, though, I've mm-hmm. found that relationship skills are just as vital as professional skills. And we still grew up learning that one is so much more important than the other, and the other is a waste of time. Why do you think these things are so separated? I can only speak for myself, and I don't know if um, you have gone through this too, but um, historically speaking, from what I have witnessed in my my um, teenage years and growing up, my hometown values families starting at a young age. So um, right at 18, um, people have married, gone off. I'm 30 years old now, and people in my high school have well-established, amazing families. And that is totally their prerogative. And I think that's amazing that they're able to find that at such a young age. But my parents absolutely was just like, wow, that's not going to happen to you. Absolutely not. Um, coming from someone who um, has immigrants as parents, and I'm sure a lot of Asian Americans and other immigrants, um, child of immigrants can relate. Um, they sacrificed so much for, for me to be here. And they say, or they think that 
you know, getting into a relationship and letting that guide your future is going to be a waste of time because I have sacrificed so much for you, my daughter, to make the best of your life that you must not do anything to mess that up. And while I have found my way through college, grad school with amazing interpersonal skills, and I know how to talk to my patients, I know how to talk to my bosses, there is still a part of me, and um, I'm working through this with therapy right now, there's still a part of me that does not know how to tackle such things as compromise. I don't know how sometimes to bring up tough subjects when it comes to relationship, talking about intimacy. So that is definitely something I feel like I have um, missed out on growing up. And I, I don't understand why that's not something that that is frequently brought up growing up. And I think it needs to, because I, I definitely have, you know, missed out on all of that in my twenties. So I think it's broken away because they think one, which is the relationship, they think it's going to ruin your life or it's going to stray you away from the end goal, which is ultimate success for yourself. So that's how I feel. That's how I view it growing up. So I don't know if that's what you experienced. I'm sure other, um, again, only speaking for myself and culture wise, I'm sure other Asian Americans can relate as well. So I think there are a million reasons for mm-hmm. it, but I also think when you make something sinister and forbidden, like mm-hmm. you're not allowed mm-hmm. to date, you're only allowed to study that kind of vibe. It mm-hmm. just makes us more curious about why does, these yeah. rules are mm-hmm. in place. It's, exactly. It's wild to me. Yeah. It's, wild. it's so wild. And it's so funny too, because you kind of hear two sides of the stories. Everyone was just like, wow, Christine, is she going to fuck up? You know, like, you know, um, betray her parents and be that rebel. Um, but I was so deathly terrified of my parents that I was never the rebel kid. And so while there was always a part of me that like wished and wondered what it was like, I always stuck to the goal, which was be an academic success, be a career success. Um, so I always found that so, so interesting. So you're right. It shouldn't be forbidden. It should, it's relationships are a part of life. And now that I'm 30, my mom and dad are like, okay, so you're in Atlanta. Where is he? Oh my God. Exact same thing. Exact same thing. I was (laughs) petrified of my mother who was like, you are not allowed to date under my roof. And I think that she was thinking as soon as you like have a job and you can pay your rent and you can pay your bills, that's when a husband shows up. Exactly. Oh man. It's It's so funny. I know my mom was so excited when when I went to PA school because it was part of a large medical university. So she was like, so... (laughs) So what's what's new? What are your plans this weekend? So, I mean, I have gone on several dates in the past and she was just like praying. She would like, you know, make the sign of the cross every time I would leave the house to like, please let this be the one, please let this be the one. Um, so it was just kind of like nothing. You can't do anything. You can't do anything. And then as soon as I have a career and settled in, where is he? So. <laughs> I mean, while I love the well wishes from mom, absolutely yes, yes. love them. It's, it's just a little bit, um, it always feels like maybe more so for women. I don't know how men feel about this, mm-hmm, but it mm-hmm. always feels like things are being demanded of us. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, I wonder, mm-hmm. it's another reason why I wish that like relationship skills were taught younger I agree. because mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's no demand that can come from outside of you that's ever mm-hmm. going to feel as authentic as what you ask of yourself but we're not taught to prioritize what we ask of ourselves. We're taught to prioritize what our parents and society are asking of us. Exactly. It's, I don't know how, 
I don't know, no offense to any of our parents, but right. No offense. I'm definitely not trying to paint them in a negative way. whatsoever. I just think it's funny. Yeah. I think it's so funny. I'm very, very blessed. Um, everyone used to think that they would be like your typical tiger, tiger parents, but they were not like that. Like I said, they're like, okay, you can do whatever you want, Christine, but don't fuck up. (laughs) And of course, you know, by them saying that it just kind of haunted me. It's like, okay, I must not mess up. I must be, make my parents proud type of thing. So I think they're very pleased with the way I turned out. So, well, I hope so because it sounds like things are like, awesome. And oh, yeah. you should yeah, be really great. proud of everything you've accomplished. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, awesome. they're great. And yeah, very happy. <laughs> Yay. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be very irresponsible of me as mm-hmm. a creator mm-hmm. in the singlehood space, not to have discussions about racism and dating. Mm-hmm. You wrote to me about the racism you've experienced in the dating space, including unwanted remarks and things like an exotic labeling. I know th- that this is something that you're actively dealing with and processing. I sincerely wish it wasn't. Um, but from your perspective, what would you want someone listening to know if they have experienced or are experiencing something similar? So this question I really liked because it took me a while to really think about it. Um, it would be selfish of me to say, don't let race become part of your identity because that's not the case at all, because it is a part of my identity. I am Filipino. My friends are Latino. They're from Trinidad. I mean, you can't just erase that from part of your identity. The one thing that I need to take that I hope your listeners will take away is that your race is not a checklist for someone's dating profile. Like, like, yes, I'm finally with a black person or yes, I'm finally with a um, Filipino or yes, I'm finally with someone from Korea. That is not your responsibility. You are not going to be part of someone's checklist. And remember that um, you're more than, not saying that you're more than your race, but you're more than what they view you as on the outside because there's so many stereotypes out there. And unfortunately, I learned about this at a young age as well um, that make men... Um, or women, I have no idea. Um, but I, I know from my perspective um, that men gear towards certain races because of what they see on the internet or their preconceptions. So um, for those who are kind of like struggling or kind of seeing this, you're not you're not a checklist. You're not supposed to be someone that's checked off someone's list to know that, yes, I'm finally with that girl I've always wanted because she's Asian or because she's black or you know, think so on and so forth. And it took me a really long time to realize that being exotic or Um, I've never been with an Asian girl before. I've always wanted to try. That took me a long time to realize that that is not a compliment. That is pure racism and it is not nice. I used to think that was so flattering to me because I didn't grow up around other Asian women. Um, So for someone to say, oh, I'm so excited. I've never been on a date with an Asian woman before. It's like, thanks. Yeah. Like, like, what are you supposed to say? Yeah. Like, so yeah, it was, it was, um, Again, at first I thought it was kind of flattering, but now looking back, that is just pure racism. I'm not, you know, I'm more than this. I am more than this. So just knowing that, um, again, we are we are who we are with our identity, but we're not here to please anyone because of our race. And that's the biggest thing um, that I want your listeners to know. Thank you for that. Yes, ma'am. I wish the word exotic could be red oh flagged out of dating apps. Like anytime it's used, that oh person should be suspended and or blocked. I, again, I thought it was so complimentary. I'm like, oh, cool. Exotic sounds cool, but I'm not, I'm not a fish. I'm not a plant. 
I'm not, I'm not like I'm a person, like I'm not exotic in the way that you think it is. I mean, I grew up in rural South Carolina. I mean, like what more exotic could you get? I mean, I guess that's different for some people, but that is not, that's not a compliment to me anymore. So there's so um, many words that are like veiled racist words mm-hmm. that I don't know when we were growing up, I don't know if we understood that those were racist words. Exactly. And I didn't either. I thought it was great. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. That's so nice of him to say that. No, it's not. It's not. And, um, you know, I've had so many girlfriends in the past, um, like, oh, you should meet this guy. Um, he, he loves Asian women. Like you would be perfect for him. Like, oh, you should, you should, you should meet so-and-so. Um, he, he's only dated Chinese women before, or he loves Asian women, or he's he's never dated an Asian girl before. You should totally meet him. Like he's such a nice guy. Really, really. Well, as someone I can with, see you like human. Yeah, I'm sweating. Um, <laughs> yeah. As somebody who has white privilege, I have not experienced mm-hmm. racism in dating, mm-hmm. and I therefore mm-hmm. feel ill-equipped to mm-hmm. speak to coping skills with mm-hmm. regards to experiencing racism. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I hate leaving this audience without mm-hmm. some kind of support or suggestion to cope with the things, all of the things that we're experiencing in the singlehood space. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there anything that you have done or learned from someone else that mm-hmm. helps you cope process, whatever words we want to use with mm-hmm. racism that's experienced in the dating and singlehood space? So I know social media is kind of toted as like a lot of negativity going on in the world these days, but surprisingly, just finding community on Instagram has helped me immensely. Um, I, again, I had no idea. I thought I was the only one because I was um, in the rural South, like no other people around me, but this also happens in other metropolitan areas too. I was like, wow, did not know that. I mean, that sounds very ignorant of me, but I thought that it was only because of, you know, ignorant people in the South, but it happens everywhere and finding community and having those resources on Instagram has, and just read, I mean, I'm not even communicating with them. Just reading their posts has helped me so much to understand where a lot of these racist remarks come from and has educated me on the reason why people think this way. And it's really opened up my eyes to that other, other women are experiencing this and other Asian men too. They have a whole completely different aspect of racial profiling could get into in another <laughs> another tangent but um just knowing that um there is a whole community out there on instagram has immensely helped and knowing that i wasn't alone um another thing that's helped me is i'm very pr- privileged to say this but um therapy has also helped me a lot shout out to casey i told her that i was going to be here she's so proud of me <laughs> but um i you know, I started wanting to seriously date at 27, 28. And I've gone through a string of successful dates in terms of it being a nice date, but nothing ended up as a relationship. And um, again, I'm very privileged to be able to have that access, but we have really dug down into my upbringing, my my anxieties towards dating in general. Um, and we're currently working on this right now. Um, so that has insanely helped me a lot. I didn't realize there's a lot of things that I, I missed out on growing up in terms of communication skills, things like that in terms of relationships. So that's where my therapist comes in and we, we kind of go through different homeworks and exercises um, to help me kind of overcome this anxiety and and, and dealing with it because um, I've been always so scared of dating because I was scared of a non-Asian person thinking that they're only dating me because I'm Asian. They have that you know, weird fetish that everyone thinks of, or if I went on a date with an Asian man, that wouldn't be Asian enough. 
because I didn't grow up in a primarily Asian community. So all those, again, opposing forces has caused so much anxiety within me that um, that's the reason why I sought out therapy for that time. I'm a big, big, can I talk? Mm -hmm. I am a huge, (laughs) a huge fan of therapy, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I'm Mm -hmm. very, very grateful that resources like BetterHelp and Talkspace and things like that exist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just Mm -hmm. makes therapy a little bit more accessible because it it can be very expensive. It's very expensive. And what's funny is that when I, my therapist that I met, I was back in South Carolina, I found her through BetterHelp. And then when I moved to Georgia, her license didn't transfer at the time. So we had to cut ties. I'm like, oh no. And then I found out she 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 reached out and we finally got back together, you know, as client therapist, um, because she's now licensed in Georgia. So without better help, I know um, you know, it, I wouldn't have found her. And she's been my my biggest resource. So um, one of the things that she's helped me with, um, and I know you're I know dating apps are the worst, the absolute worst. Um, I she she didn't force me to do anything, but she's like, go on a date. Just find someone and go on a date and go with that notion that nine times out of 10, you're most likely not going to marry this person. So just go on a date, talk to a person that could be a potential partner and just see how it goes. And it's not that scary. And so even though obviously none of these dates that I've gone on have begin into a potential relationship. I'm really thankful for those exercises that she's told me to do just to get over my fear because I was so terrified to date. Um, so she, she has helped me so much and, you know, I'm still working on it every day, but I am so, so grateful for her therapy. Again, she's told me that I'm probably my most, um, what's the word? I don't want to sound offensive, but like easiest patient, I guess, to deal with. (laughs) She's like, you're very easy. But I told her, I felt like I was wasting her time because like, I'm just scared to date. Like, I feel bad that I feel like you're wasting your time. She says, not at all. Like everyone could use some sort of talk therapy. So um, if that's ever accessible to you, I mean, just to vent, I mean, it's one of the greatest things that you can ever do for yourself. Mental health is just as important. I actually, so you know that I don't allow venting in the Facebook group. And right, right. Mm-hmm. the thing is, therapy is exactly the place to vent. And the yes, difference, exactly. yes, the yes. difference between venting into a Facebook group and venting to a therapist is that a therapist can help identify the root causes of the vent and then mm-hmm. work on them. In a Facebook group, you're just spewing, sorry, Alexa just talked to me. Um, <laughs> you're just like spewing your like rage or anger or whatever mm-hmm. it is out Mm -hmm. into the world for other people to consume. And it generally, Mm -hmm. you know, like breeds like, and it just becomes this unproductive bitch session. I love a bitch session as long as we're getting somewhere and like Mm -hmm. Facebook rants don't do that for me, but therapy is the place to take the vent because there's a productive outcome. There is exactly a productive outcome. Um, It's kind of like a two in one, you get to release your anger and then you get advice. Um, on the back end. So, um, again, I hope that therapy becomes more and more accessible as time goes on. I think a lot of people are finding that obviously it is a valuable thing and the stigma should be less and less. Um, again, my parents were, I mean, Filipinos in general and Asians in general were mental health is not really talked about a lot in, in our community because, um, it's just, you, you know, Eastern medicine or we're, I grew up Catholic. And so just pray, it'll be okay. Just pray about it. But now that my parents have seen the benefits for both myself and my sister, who's also in therapy, um, they were like, when's her next therapy session? <laughs> like your sister needs it. Or like, when are you getting therapy next? Like you need it. So, I mean, I, I hope that the stigma becomes less and less as time goes on. 
I hope so too, because like, Mm -hmm. it's not, it sounds weird maybe, but like parents can't do everything Mm -mm, and we can't do everything either. Like it's, it's okay to have help. You know? It is. And for me to come to someone with an incredibly niche subject or niche reasoning to seek therapy, um, I've seek, sought therapy on and off since college, but like this particular reason why I came to her was because I don't know how to be in a relationship. Like I'm starting to really date, like help me. Like I have no idea what to do. Like I'm interested in dating. I'm scared to go on a date. So the fact that she's there to not judge me and help me step by step, I mean, I would have never thought five years ago that could have even begun to have the guts to ask somebody to help me with this. So very, very thankful for that. If it makes you feel any better, I think even people that have been in a ton of relationships (laughs) have many of the same concerns that you have. I think we have a lot more in common as singles than, than we realize, which is a whole other reason why I wanted to talk to you is that, that Mm -hmm. sentiment of, I've never been in a relationship Mm -hmm. and also associating that with anxiety or fear or trepidation Mm -hmm. because there's like a fear that you don't know how to do it or you won't be good Mm -hmm. at it or something like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So many of the people listening to this podcast are in exactly the same boat, but we never talk about it. So everyone thinks they're in the boat alone. Right. Right. And that's how I thought too. So I just want to say thank you to you and Laura Banky. I mean, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, it's been a while since I've listened to Shani's podcast. Let me sign up. And I emailed Laura too. And I just told her, thank you for sharing your story. And um, you're right. I seriously thought I was the only one, the only one. And I know that's not true, but no one wants to talk about it because it's so, so shameful. And I, I even, when I read your email, I was like, oh my God, I don't know how I feel about this, but I know how important it is to your audience. And how how alone people can feel in this situation because these days we're we're just taught never been in a relationship what's wrong with you is usually our thought process that we think something is wrong with me but talking to my therapist being in my position where I am at my job like I know there's nothing wrong with me never is such a negative connotation why can't it just be like I just haven't found my partner yet I mean another way to say it is there's nothing right about people who are in couples. Like look at all the exactly. couples you know, all the couples they're I miserable. know. They're they're either miserable or they're not perfect is the thing. Exactly. They're not, not perfect. perfect people and their perfection is not what attracted them to each other. Their, mm-hmm. you know, qualities and personality and chemistry together, that's what brought them together, not perfection. And mm-hmm. um I mean this obviously gets into the next section of this interview mm-hmm. that I have for you, but mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. curious why do you think we associate never having been in relationships with a lack of knowledge on how to be in them at all. Because from my perspective, every relationship is inherently unique between those two people. And it's always about two people learning how to be together Mm -hmm. rather than one person learning how to serve the relationship and the other person just not doing anything at all. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I haven't been in a lot of relationships. I have Mm -hmm. been in slightly more than zero. (laughs) Um, I love I just, that. <laughs> yeah, right. I I think um I guess I just I just want to know why why do you think we associate the never label with negativity? I think it's because and now I don't know how it is for heterosexual men, um, but sometimes it's I feel like they're we're all we're both lumped together. It's like we're both seen as like sore losers that live in mom's basement and never gets out the house. Like it just seems such a negative connotation. As far as women goes, I think with the whole never situation, um, 
I think society is just uncomfortable knowing that women have lived our lives and still have been an okay functioning person without a man by her side. And I think that bewilders people. I really do. And I think that's why there's such a negative connotation as to the whole spinster thing. Um, and the, and um, never being partnered before. It just seems like there's no way she could have made it without someone else. But I did. And there are many other women that are the same way. So I think that's why it has such a weird negative connotation. I don't think there's anything wrong with me, like, at all. And um, and I don't think any of my peers, my bosses, my patients, my friends, like, none of them think there's anything wrong with me. But society as a whole, I don't think they're comfortable knowing that a woman can do it all by herself and still be okay. And I think that's where that negative connotation comes from. How do you think we could reframe never been in a relationship in a more positive mm-hmm. way? And mm-hmm. I ask this because in mm-hmm. um, in the group Zoom Patreon tier, mm-hmm. we do this all the time. We take an old thought mm-hmm. about singlehood and we reframe it into a new thought. And what's happening in a scenario doesn't change. The same thing is happening in both thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. the way we're perceiving it changes for the better. I'll mm-hmm. give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to remind myself that even though I've been single for 13 years and I'm in like, an, I'm out of practice, so to speak. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. How I reframe it for myself isn't that I'm out of practice or that I'm going to be bad at it. It's, I still have meeting my partner to look forward to. That's still coming. And that's very exciting for me. I still mm-hmm. have the ability to like, tailor and customize my next relationship to how I want it to look and feel, or I don't have to have that relationship. Like that that is really exciting to me. Um, And I also like to remind myself that there is nothing from past relationships that I would like to bring with me into the new one. Exactly. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's not Mm -hmm, like, um, mm -hmm. I just, I wonder if there are other ways that you've thought about it in a positive light, because I actually like, obviously I have been in a couple, relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Situation yeah. yeah, I hate I that like word so much. Yeah. We can give it a solid two. Mm-hmm. Let's give mm-hmm. it a solid two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously not for not for so long. And I, I mm-hmm. thinking about things in a in a more positive way has helped me shed some of the stigma of I've been single for 13 years. Because mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. do you tell someone or do you tell someone when you're dating someone new, like I haven't been in a relationship in 13 years, or I've never been in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like face value, there's going to be anxiety around that sentence coming oh, out yeah, of your mouth. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, the way that I kind of reframe it, um, it's so funny because this has been my entire life. So I've never, I mean, there are days where I definitely feel anxiety or I just feel down on myself. Like, man, I'm so undesirable. No one's ever wanted me, but that has never been my every waking moment for me. So, um, as I'm living my life, I mean, truly I've worked so hard to build the life that I love right now. Like that thought of being miserable hasn't come across me, which is, I'm very proud of that sentiment. Um, I don't know how, um, if other people in my situation could speak for that, but I, I don't think I've ever felt really, really down on myself for never having been in one. Um, I just know I haven't found that person yet. And so while um, at the same time, it, I mean, I never brag about it to anybody, like my coworkers, like, Hey everyone, like I'm Christine, I'm your new PA today. I've never been in a relationship. I mean, that's definitely not anything I ultimately brag about per se, but, um, I just haven't let it define me at all throughout my entire life. Um, you know, again, as I started to want to seriously date in my late twenties, that, that definitely brought up a lot of anxiety, but, um, I try not to bring that up if ever on, um, 
a first date and definitely not ever. But um, as Laura um, said in her in her podcast episode with you, it just doesn't come up with the right person. And the times that I have been and you know, there was a guy that I've had a string of successful, like seven or eight dates total. I did bring that up. And while we didn't pursue an actual relationship, um, I brought that up and it was just like, no biggie. I mean, I know it's going to be okay with the right person. And if that person finds you weird for that, then they're not the right person for you. And I still have a lot to learn from that. And it's easier said than done, but I know with the right person, obviously if I've gone on six to seven to eight dates with this one guy and I haven't brought it up since, or I haven't brought it up since like the eighth day, then he was still okay with it. Then he's, he's a good person. They're good people out there should never, you know, it should never be a defining part in their relationship. And if so, if he is freaked out by it, then they're just not nice. They're not a nice person. Things about ourselves that we have anxiety about or concerns about or shame about those things Mm -hmm. are their own filter for it really is. Yeah. If you Mm -hmm. tell somebody that thing and they run away, they were supposed to, if Mm -hmm. you yourself are scared to say that thing out loud, that shows you where to work. That shows you what you need to work on. Because if it's something about you that's true, mm-hmm. it's it's worth owning. And it's because mm-hmm. you let go of shame and fear and anxiety and this burden. I didn't mm-hmm. always uh, include in my writing that I had been single for as long as I'd been single. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was when I when it hit 10 years, I was like, <laughs> You're like, oh, God. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, how do because how do you say it? For the first time out loud and just mm-hmm. think that everything everyone's gonna look at you funny. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. how I used to feel. And now I'm like, no, I say this all of the time. This is not shameful right. at all. This right. is because it's not um, I guess I no longer see it as a failure. I see it as mm-hmm. that was 13 years of me being protected from the wrong relationships. That exactly. Like, and yeah. that's how I try to view it now too, because you're right, 13 years of not not having to deal with with anything and just protecting yourself. I think that's fantastic. And I could say the same thing for myself as well. I mean, um, I understand how difficult it was for you to say the the 10 years or the 13 years. And for a long time, I was so scared to even bring that up. And I was like, I can't believe I'm even signing up for therapy for this because I've never, I mean, that just seemed like such a silly thing, but talking to you, hearing Laura's story, having your podcast in general, I mean, I, I think more people need to hear it. I'm, I am I was so nervous last night thinking about today, but I'm so happy to talk to you about this because I know I'm not the only one. And um, there are plenty, I mean, I, again, the whole, the whole negative, your failure for not ever having been in one or being single for so long. I have a great career. I'm beautiful. I know my worth. Like I'm not a weirdo. I have normal millennial hobbies like houseplants. Like, I mean, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with me. It's just, I have, I literally haven't found that person yet. Um, so I, I am so appreciative of, of everything that you have brought to light. So it took me a long time to be comfortable saying that out loud. And so, um, even with the guy that I talked to, when I told him I've never been in a relationship, he's like, really? wow, I can't believe his words were like, I can't believe that. Not that what's wrong with you. So that definitely make, made me feel a little bit better about the prospects out there (laughs) that there are some men that definitely don't care. They just, his response was really, I can't believe that. So, and the right people for, for us won't care at all. And hopefully they won't. Oh no, they won't give a shit. And in hearing this, I think I'm hoping to help other people me too. Shed that stigma. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's, mm-hmm. I get it. I get the, mm-hmm. the fear around certain truths. 
there are mm-hmm. other truths around sex that come up around singlehood all the time. Like how oh, long yeah. it's been, like with dry spells yeah. and bullshit the like dry that. dry spell, yeah. Oh, yeah. it makes me crazy. Like, first of all, it's no yeah. one's business. But second of all, it's- Yeah, exactly. Why is it a negative? Why does it? Why is it assumed? Well, I know why it is the way it is. It's because like women can't ever exist in peace. If you have too much sex, you're a hoe. <laughs> if you have no sex, you're a prude. It's like, what's yeah, exactly. the right amount of yeah. sex that we're supposed to be yeah. having? Like Exactly. And what if, what is the word for just- not asexual, but just not interested. Oh, just fine is the <laughs> yeah, word just fine. fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm all right. <laughs> like I'm okay. Oh my god! And that's the thing. So I mean, looking through, like I, I mean, like I said, I've, there there have been times where I felt like, oh yeah, that sucks, and oh, it'd be nice to have this and that, but like I have functioned fine throughout my 30 years, and I did it all on my own. Um, you know, with, despite all the bullshit racism that I've experienced, despite all the men that's like, wow, I love your culture. Um, do you can't, I mean, I've had weird dates where they're like, I love the way traditional Filipino dresses look. Do you have one? I'm like, um, red flag. Yeah. Things that I, <laughs> I'm so that glad I should, you guys I, can't see my facial expressions. They are yeah. not attractive. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they're describing me as, oh my God, you're so kawaii. And I'm like, yeah, like that's just a red flag right away. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> let's let's steer this ship yeah. in a different direction. What do you love about your singlehood, and what have you always loved about it? Like everything. <laughs> so, um, so I love my singlehood about like eighty-five percent of the time, which is a majority. The other fifteen percent, like I said, I went on a um. I hate to call it a situationship. I feel like that's such a catch millennial catchphrase. Um, we went on a string of several successful dates over the course of a couple of months, but um, he had to move away and no relationship was, was um, evolving from that. So um, it ended kind of amicably, you know, I was kind of upset. I was, I was sad about it because I thought, finally, this is it. This is the one. Like I'm finally, ha- I have a boyfriend. Wow, I can't believe it. So I kind of missed that because we we worked really well together. He never judged me for never having been in a relationship before, but um, it just never came to fruition. You know, not you know, never never meeting the parents or you know, you know, all the things that relationships should should be. But um, I love everything. I get to do whatever I want, whatever I want. It's me and my sister. We live in a bachelorette pad. That's what I call it. We have two cats. My house is filled with house plants. I get to do whatever I want. I my Google Play, my Google Home speaker plays everything from K-pop to screamo music. I get to travel whenever I want. Um, I go to concerts whenever I want. It's the best. And I I don't know. I'm I'm scared to have someone come in and ruin that for me. I don't know what to do. But I'm telling you, this is why it's important to be single in your adulthood because you learn how good it feels to do whatever you want. And you learn that you get to keep doing whatever you want in the right relationships for you. I don't think relationships should hold us back or take away. You know what I mean? Not at all. And that's the thing that my therapist, I mean, that was my biggest fear. I was like, I don't want him to like ruin everything that I have because everything is great. But she's like the right person will not mess anything up for you. It's going to enhance your life. So I'm like, I have to remember that as I go on to the next day thinking like, oh my gosh, we're going to get married and my life is going to be ruined. <laughs> so yeah, if that's the case, <laughs> run fast and far. Exactly. Like, exactly. Because when the I, right guy for ahead, you have sorry. like his own plant collection, like, you know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Or with sleep in separate rooms. I know you love a, you love the starfish. I am too. I love it. Oh, starfishing is essential to I my can't... well-being. 
I just can't imagine a life where I don't know. I'm excited, but I'm I, I just love my single life. I do too. I love it so much. I know plenty of couples who have their own rooms and beds, by the way. Oh yeah, that's definitely gonna be a, a thing for me. I, I find it like very vintage and cool. And, I do too. Yeah. Um, I don't I mean obviously like you have to sleep in the same bed. You always see like in very, very old like Victorian era movies and stuff. Like mm-hmm. everybody has like their own chambers. Their own chambers, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like, want man, that. I need that. Yeah, I need that. One so, for I me, mean, I, one for the cats. One for you, and then one for one separate bathroom. I can't, I can't deal. Yeah. I can't, I don't know. I just I love I mean, I have learned and I'm so grateful. Again, a lot of people think um that I yeah, I joke about how I was brought up and they think my parents treated me the worst. And, but I definitely don't think that they have taught me to be independent, to think for myself and that I can do whatever I want. And I'm so happy for that. And, you know, while it sucks, I don't know how to, I'm scared to go on dates and compromise is something that I haven't learned to deal with yet. I mean, I did everything on my own and it is absolutely amazing. And looking back as as shameful as it was for me in the previous past to say I've never been in a relationship before, everything I've done in my life has all been by myself and I am so proud to say that. I think in the future when you are in relationships, you will still be doing things independently absolutely. and accomplishing things independently. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is a great segue to my last question for you. Yeah. Let's pretend we're in the future and you're in a relationship. How mm-hmm. do you want to look back on your singlehood? What do you want to take with you from your single time into future relationships? So I want to remember how strong I am. I know I'm a lot stronger than I perceive myself to be. There are times where I felt so low, felt so shameful, but I know I'm better than that. And that is something that I want to take into my future relationship. Also, the fact that it's okay to ask for help for anything. Um, Again, that kind of comes with the caveat of doing everything on my own. Um, Me asking help therapy-wise for something as simple as how do I go on a date? That is nothing to be ashamed of. And I'm so glad I did. Um, It is okay to ask for help. And I am going to take that mindset of knowing that when there's time to need help, I'm not afraid to ask for it. Um, And I am so, so looking forward to that. Um, And having that skill set in my relationship that I'm not scared to bring up something when there needs to be something addressed. Um, Not in a bad way, but, um, you know, there's 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 not a bad thing to do asking for help. So I am super excited. I look forward to it. It's still a little nerve wracking for me. Again, I'm working on myself and learning not to be scared of going on dates. Um, but I am totally looking forward to it. I know the right person's there for me. Um, and I know I, there's nothing wrong with me. And that's the one thing I want your, your listeners and patrons and podcast listeners to know that if they've never been in a relationship before, look at me. Like I find myself to be a really successful woman. So did Laura Banky too. She's successful. I have my own house. I have a wonderful career. My parents are great. My friends are great. I get to do whatever I want. There's nothing wrong with me. And there's nothing wrong with you either. I know. There's really not. There really, really isn't. And I know I say it all the time, but I say it all the time because it's really hard to hear and it's really hard to retain when you have grown up for 30 some odd years or 40 some odd years, Mm -hmm. only hearing the opposite. We do need it repeated and we need it said loud and often and maybe eventually 
we won't look at singlehood through like that initial negative. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I certainly hope so. Um, I can't thank you enough for joining me. This was, I can't thank you so much for asking me. Oh my goodness. I'm so so happy. Um, (laughs) I hope I I'm so excited for your listeners to hear this. They're definitely not alone. Um, I felt the same way too, like literally a month ago before I listened to Laura's episode. So I can't thank you enough for having this platform. Thank you. It is my pleasure and privilege to do so. Tell everyone who is listening where they might follow you on Instagram, maybe connect with some of the communities that you've found on Instagram as well. Yes. So um, my Instagram is at MCPO91. Very original. I know. <laughs> M as in Michael, C, P as in Peter, O, 91. Um, that's just my name. Um, I don't really post often, but I do. Again, I have, um, if, if you message me on Instagram, I can link you to a lot of the um, the Instagram accounts I follow dealing with um, Asian American women, Filipinos in the area. Um, and then if you're in the Atlanta area and you want a dermatology appointment, <laughs> I'm more than happy to hook you up with my office. I take new patients all the time. I love my job. I love what I do. But yes, feel free to message me. I'll answer anybody. So thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me. This was so fun. Yes, thank you.